This podcast is intended to provide general information about various recent developments in employment law and human resources best practices. Nothing in this presentation or in the comments of Ms. Johnson, Ms. Shannon, or any guest should be considered as the rendering of legal or other professional advice, and it is not directed at any specific cases or circumstances. Listeners are responsible for obtaining the necessary advice about their specific situations from their own counsel. These materials are intended for educational and informational purposes only. The presentation and these materials represent the opinions of the participants and not those of their law firms or companies. No part of these materials may be printed, photocopied, or otherwise reproduced, recorded, or stored, or transmitted in any form and by any means, electronic, mechanical, or otherwise, without the prior written permission of today's workplace podcast. Welcome to today's workplace, a podcast created to keep employers current on the latest employment law trends while providing proactive solutions to the everyday issues arising in today's rapidly changing workplace. Is your business prepared for today's workplace? Let's find out with your hosts, Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. Well, welcome to today's workplace, the intersection of employment law and human potential. And for season two, we have been focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And now that we are in, I guess you could call it the seventh inning stretch, we've had seven episodes. We thought it would be um, great to go back and look at some of the highlights and some of the learnings from those um, seven episodes that we've had. Hi, Barbara. Hi. I really, uh, when I think about season two so far, and I think about this extremely important uh, topic of diversity, equity, inclusion, um, and how things have changed since last summer's uh, social justice initiatives where so many corporations uh, and other organizations stepped up and said, you know, we're going to do better. Uh, We're gonna commit more resources in terms of our time and in terms of our dollars to really address uh, the lack of diversity across our organizations, the lack of investment in the underrepresented communities. I thought that that was really exciting. And I think that our um, second season, the guests that we've had have given us an opportunity to really dig into a broad range of uh, topics that are related to diversity, equity, and inclusion in a corporate organization. And so um, I'm ready to really talk about some of the highlights. Great. Well, you know, we started um, the season by talking with Donna Hughes, um, VP of Emblem Health, uh, VP of HR at Emblem Health, and with Ashley Ridgeway Washington with Krista's Health. Um, talking about um, what they did um, for their organizations post-George Floyd. And I was just really impressed with how they arranged to address issues in a very authentic way by giving employees an opportunity to be heard and to speak and how impactful that was and how um, 
after these listening sessions, they have gone on to develop new and improved strategies around DEI for their organizations. You know, and as I think about it, they're in the healthcare field. And um, not only from a workplace perspective, but also just in thinking about the patients, the doctors, and the need for cultural sensitivity um, in that space, many healthcare organizations had already started addressing the cultural competency issues. And now we've learned from Donna and from Ashley some ways to make sure that that cultural competency translates itself into the workplace when it comes to employment, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, and I really, um, really thought that they both did a great job of raising points about the fact that now um, employees are, are really embracing and driving more of the culture at companies. And they are really uh, being very vocal about their expectations of the organization and how they respond to the ongoing social justice imperatives and um, how, you know, they, they want to, you know, ensure that the company is in the right place in terms of those values. And, you know, we also talked a little bit about, you know, how the investor communities and the shareholders and other uh, community partnerships are um, really, you know, holding a higher bar, holding the company uh, and the organizations to a higher standard. And I thought that that's something that's very different than um, what, you know, it was the, the pressures that were on corporations prior to last summer. And then after episode one, we went to episode two with JT and Leslie. And what I really appreciated about um, their approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion is a focus on millennials mm -hmm. and the reality that um, the majority of the workforce now is millennials. Baby boomers yeah. have moved out and millennials have moved in in big numbers, especially post-pandemic. I think there's just been a major exodus of baby boomers from the workforce. And JT and Leslie have um, developed an approach called Unmask, which helps employers understand how millennials view diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is quite different than the mindset that baby boomers or even Gen Xers may have had. It's much less accepting, let's put it that way. Yeah, definitely. I, I recently did some work um, on corporate social responsibility and found uh, that, uh, you know, you talked about the presence of millennials in our workplace. And I found a, a, a fall 2020 study that said by the year 2025, which is not that far from now, 75% of the workforce will be considered millennials. 75%, that's pretty high. And um, why it's important to pay attention to that is something that JT and Tammy did a great job of, of, of uh, elevating for us. You know, not only are they millennials uh, demanding that there be equality in the workplace, that there be diversity in the workplace, um, you know, but they, you know, again, are 
are expecting that 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 be part of their experience when they go go to work. And so I think that um, JT and Tammy's work specifically focusing on that demographic is is really important. In addition to uh, just the the the, the level of expertise and insight that they have about how you diversify your workplace your workplace in today's uh, more demanding environment. Let's see, after JT and Leslie, I think we went to Grace and Kai, right? Well, we did, we did, let's not forget Don Profit. Oh, how could we ever, how could, oh no, no, no. <laughs> One of my most unforgettable um, characters. Um, Don Profit joined us to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the um, legal profession. And he's, um, we were very fortunate to have him join us because he's been a real strong proponent and critic of the lack of diversity in the legal profession. And Don minced um, no words in saying that in his view, the only way the needle is going to move in the needle profession, in the legal profession, is if corporations, um, the employ employers, um, the um, companies that are hiring law firms actually demand that law firms become more diverse. In his view, that's the only way to make change. Yeah, I, I think we couldn't have uh, found a better person to talk on the topic of diversity in law firms because Don has, uh, you know, been a partner at major law firms for a long time, and he has been very vocal, which which is very courageous. Uh, the, you, you know, he's been very vocal about this and about what law firms need to do to support diversity in the profession um, in a time where there weren't many who were being uh, vocal. But as, as a lawyer and partner at Costanji Brooks, he definitely has continued, um, you know, really just supporting uh, attorneys of color, but also, you know, seeking to guide others in the, the, the profession about it and continuing to put the pressure on you know the the um, law firms to to meet the demands and put the pressure on what we call the consumers of legal services these corporate legal departments uh, to really also join him in putting that uh, pressure on the law firms and I believe that 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 is something I I you know agree with Don that that is something that's really important and um, what what I thought was a stark um, reality that we discussed, Barbara, was the fact that we've been talking about this issue for, you know, the last 20 to 25 years, but yet the needle has not moved much. And so it left me wondering uh, whether or not there is a missing party or a missing element to the conversation that would help move that needle even further. And one of the missing elements, Belinda, may be accountability. In other words, if there's no requirement of accountability, in other words, if um, corporate law departments are not requiring law firms to make change, to be more inclusive, 
to change the way that origination credit is given, to reassess how, um, how attorneys are recruited. If those barriers are not being addressed, then we're not going to move the needle. One of the things I recall that Don felt very strongly about and has been very vocal about is, look, corporations, it's not enough to sign a list. That's a good start. But what are you doing in terms of demanding diversity and inclusion from the providers of legal services that you are hiring? Yeah, um, and also one of the things that I thought Don did a good job to also uh, is to uh, challenge people of color who are in the corporations and have the opportunity to direct their dollars. And he was also putting the, the challenge to, to those individuals and saying, hey, people of color, if you have the opportunity to direct dollars, make sure that you're taking steps to direct the dollars to other people of color. And exactly. so, you know, he, you know, he's like, let's not be complicit in perpetuating a system that's been discriminatory. Let's be part of the solution. And I think that's an important message also. And then we moved on to Grace and to Kai from Morgan Lewis. And um, fascinating conversation because of their interesting perspective of how the workplace has changed as management side um, employment attorneys for a number of years, um, they were very helpful in terms of showing us how employers have hopefully moved from strictly a compliance perspective to one that really is around cultural transformation. And it's a very, very different approach. It's one thing to say, okay, well, we comply, we do the minimum that's required to comply with the law, um, with Title VII, the state or the state anti-discrimination statutes, as opposed to we want real and sustained change by changing our culture. Yeah, I think it was a, a real, um, you know, really, really, a really great coup on the part of today's workplace to get uh, two uh, seasoned uh, experts like Grace Spates and High Feldblum um, from Morgan Lewis to talk to us not only about about the evolution of you know employment compliance and diversity and inclusion in the corporate world, but also to talk about what you mentioned, Barbara, the very uh, necessary shifts that uh, corporations need to make to address this um, from you know, more than just a compliance um, standpoint. Grace herself has uh, been recognized and rightfully so for her work with some fairly you know, difficult high profile situations in which she's helped corporations address 
um, you know, just years and years of, 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 of disparity and discrimination. Um, she's helped them address that and get on the right track. And then Hai has done uh, such great research and work in really defining what really is a respectful workplace. And so our conversation with them was just so rich in terms of um, explaining where we've been and, and where we're going to today and focusing on how it's really a, a, a question of culture in what you need to do to improve your culture. And so um, that was, you know, that particular conversation, I think uh, we all left saying it could have gone on for hours more, uh, but it was it, because it was just so rich uh, with information. And then came perhaps my favorite episode um, thus far, and that was our episode with Rob Falk. Um, and a spotlight on the LGBTQ experience. Um, Rob is a um, certainly a global thought leader and was the general counsel of the Human Rights Campaign and is currently a general counsel with the Truth Initiative. But it was fascinating for me to, um, I learned a lot. I mean, I learned a lot during that episode um, in terms of understanding um, better, for example, differences around um, sexual orientation and um, gender identity. I just thought Rob did a masterful job of walking us through the definitions and walking us through um, ways in which um, employers can and should address issues involving the LGBTQ um, community. I was especially um, impressed by his discussion about the use of pronouns, which is becoming more and more important and more and more prevalent in the workplace when people are identifying themselves. And the realization that the use of the pronouns isn't so much uh, for the person using the pronouns as much as an indication of acceptance um, for people who might be reluctant to do so. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I I thought that um, Rob did, he, he just really made in very plain English, he explained um, again, evolution of LGBTQ issues in the workplace, but um, he also peppered uh, that story with, with so many of the helpful definitions that probably a lot of people you know, really don't understand. They're very, probably very familiar with the, 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 um, the acronym LGBTQ, but Rob was able to break it down in pieces that really told us what are the real issues what, um, you know, how can uh, corporations and, and workplace environments really respond in a meaningful way to the issues that LGBTQ uh, employees face uh, in the workplace and the, and the barriers that they face, the barriers to their success. And I think that that's a really important understanding that workplaces need to, you know, embrace and, and, and they need to really, um, you know, 
expand their competency in order to meet the needs of, of this, you know, very important uh, group within our workplace today. And Rob was really good with giving us, of course, you know, his, his um, background as a former general counsel of the Human Rights Campaign um, really put him front and center for so many years um, in, in front of those issues. And so he was the exact right person for us to have that conversation with. A lot to learn from that conversation. A lot to learn, and especially around transgender issues and why those are so difficult to um, address. But he gave, he gave great guidance um, with respect to transgender employees. And then we came to John Geyer and David Cohen talking with us about diversity metrics. And one of the things that we said initially before we even started um, these episodes, um, when we were talking about um, approaches to diversity, equity, and inclusion, is the importance to both a qualitative, but also a quantitative approach. And that's what John and David were able to help us understand is the importance of those metrics in developing a diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy? Yeah, I mean, data analytics uh, are so very important for any business. And uh, John and, and, and David were able to, you know, explain to us how in their consultancy, um, they're able to help organizations really understand how to uh, organize and, and create uh, meaningful metrics. And I think that's that it's such an important part of the overall equation in how you actually can measure your diversity, equity, and inclusion results uh, to see. It, you can measure them, you can monitor them. Are we moving in the right direction? Are we setting the right priorities? And so I think there was a wealth of information about some of the approaches that today's companies need to take. Um, and one of the most interesting things that we learned is that, you know, really diversity metrics are really more about um, how you identify the priorities that will support the priorities that will support your uh, aspirations. What are the aspirations for? How do we get beyond just the compliance standards? The compliance standards are very clear, but that's the minimum standard. But how do we then identify what are the priorities? What measurements do we need to make in order to determine priorities to meet the aspirations of the organization? Because now there is a, a universal acceptance that diversity is a strategic lever for the business. It's not just a feel-good, you know, collection of progr programmatic things that we do, but there's tons of research out there to show that it is a strategic lever for business success. And so in order to do that, we have to measure and figure out whether or not what we've identified and put in place is actually going to drive towards the success of the business. And so the information that they provided on how you do that and the different ways you can approach that, I thought was just ideal. And, and one of the um, takeaways for me is the importance of having those metrics at every aspect, in every aspect of the employment work cycle. 
In other words, looking at recruiting, looking at pay, looking at performance management, looking at turnover. Mm -hmm. So you can really see and start to identify where are their barriers? Where are there issues that we need to be addressing? Where are we stuck? Are we moving? Right. So um, the importance of not just doing um, metrics with respect to one system, but looking at metrics throughout all systems. And contrary to what has taken place historically, being prepared to make some of those metrics available transparency. I mean, historically, employers were just so afraid of people knowing how they were doing and really resisted making, um, demo making data available mm -hmm. to employees or to the public. And now employees are demanding it. Um, boards yeah. are demanding it. Shareholders are demanding it. Mm -hmm. And so making that um, data available is becoming more and more the trend as opposed exactly. to exception. Yeah. yeah, so having an idea about the right metrics, because remember when we were talking about um, organizations that were just kind of like pulling, you know, um, goals out of the air and not really you know, tying it into what's really happening in their business, their industry within the, um, you know, demographic areas that they, you know, do business in, that there, there's a very methodical and data-driven way to figure out the exact priorities and the exact aspirations that a business should have. And that's really going to really make the transparency that's being demanded by um, employees and other stakeholder groups, that, that makes the transparency that much more secure if you've done a great job of really looking at, um, you know, the, the, the sort of metrics and measurements and goals that you should, should have. And um, you mentioned also how, you know, the, the, they've provided us with a roadmap of how you use data to address every single aspect of the employee life cycle, which I think is important. You mentioned earlier that uh, your your favorite was um, our conversation with Rob uh, on the LGBTQ experiences. And I agree, that was a great one, but I will tell you for personal reasons, our conversation with Sean Johnson of, of uh, Fuse Media was really great. And, you know, and in that conversation, we had an opportunity to really understand uh, what's going on in the entertainment industry, entertainment and media industry, in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, uh, particularly since last summer, you know, raised the consciousness level of so many. And I think in, in, in planning this episode and in uh, really uh, locking in on Sean as our guest, you know, we acknowledge the fact that the entertainment industry, the media industry has such a huge impact on culture um, and on the, the, the vision and view that shapes and forms our everyday life. And so because of that, um, and they've, they've come under fire so much over the last few years in terms of, of, of the lack of diversity that's being shown in the images uh, that are being celebrated and supported and um, in our 
in our communities and in our culture. And so Sean, who has been in the industry for over 20 years in different capacities as a lawyer, as a business uh, leader, um, as a producer, you know, he, I, I just thought he was a perfect guest to talk to us about how things have evolved. Well, that was really a fascinating discussion in that it caused me to think about the business of entertainment from an employment perspective. You know, we always think, as she said, you know, looking um, in front of the camera, but looking behind the camera and thinking about all of the positions that are available that where there's very little diversity. And part of the reason for that is this is an industry that is so bred on um, who you know. That's how you get um, positions, it's who you know. Um, that's how you get called in to do various um, parts of um, the job, who you know. And the importance of interjecting diversity behind the camera as well as in front of the camera. And I'd not thought about that before. Yeah, I mean, it's been an awakening for me since I, you know, have a son who's in the industry, uh, just really, um, you know, being by his side and partnering with him uh, from his, his journey as a child actor to now a young adult actor. Uh, I really was just blown away from the first time that he entered the profession at, at, at 12 years old to uh, see that the numbers of, of opportunities and jobs and, and, and uh, skill sets and things that are needed uh, behind the camera or behind the stage, you know, outnumber what you see in front of the camera uh, or in front of the stage curtain. Those, those jobs behind, they outnumber, you know, what's available from five to one. There's so many uh, crafts crafts and skill sets that are needed to pull off of a, a pull off a program. Uh, there's, you know, the, the central functions, the business teams that support the ability of a production, um, you know, so uh, understanding the uh, diversity and the representation that goes not only into the creative aspects but also the business aspects I think are really important. And Sean was able to, to talk to us a little bit more about how those doors opened up once the media company started, you know, acknowledging the fact that there was an imbalance and are now investing in the fact. So you see so many more creative showrunners, the writers getting their own, um, the, getting the funding for their deals so that they can create content that will kind of balance out what we have access to out there now. And of course, the streaming companies um, and the ability to stream content has opened up a tremendous number of opportunities. And so uh, Sean gave us a really good uh, tour of what that side of entertainment looks like. And, and, and though brought some pretty good uh, issues to the table around the fact that, you know, we still have a distance to go, you know, the, the movement that the media companies have made in this last um, year are important, but we still have a distance to go. It's still a business where you have to be invited in 
And so there's tremendous opportunity and a need to continue doing that, reaching out to people of color who are in the industry uh, so that we can see uh, diversity grow, uh, in, not only in terms of the creative uh, side of the business, but also uh, those who are in the crafts side of the business also. We have been so fortunate to have such great guests for our seven, first seven episodes of this season. I can't wait to see what comes next. Me too, Barbara. I think we've got some great um, some great talent, some great experts and people who are just literally at the top of their game that are really stepping up to the plate and really um, making some some changes uh, in, in what's, you know, changes in the uh, levels of diversity that we're seeing from the C-suite to global corporations um, and, and, you know, in some other sectors. And so I'm really looking forward to, to our next set of conversations. Great talking with you today. It's good to see you too. Take care. You've been listening to Today's Workplace with Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. If you like what you heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future updates and episodes. 